This podcast is brought to you by Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than a church. We're family. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please go to ctfboulder.com. We're going to pick up on, uh, <clears throat> we're going to pick up tonight where he left off on Sunday and, uh, We left off just talking about idols in our life, and I'll go back and in Ezekiel 14:3, it says, "Son of man, these leaders have set up idols in their hearts, and they have embraced things that lead them into sin. Why should I let them? Why should I let them as me?" Oh, I wrote it down wrong. Anyway, it says, in other words, (laughs) there is something or someone. That's all right. Thank you. (laughs) In other words, there is someone or something that is more important to you right now than God himself. We would say, no, there's not anything more important than God himself. But the reality is, uh, we would say, I don't bow down to images. I'm not bowing down to idols or statues. But even though we say we don't worship idols, if we put anything that becomes more important to you than God, if you put any of those things that even can potentially become idols, it stops your prayers from being heard. And some of those things are any object, any idea, any philosophy, any habit, any occupation, any sport. It's so easy just to get off track. It's so easy to get, uh, put some, some things before God. I would say today in the church, we put doctrines and philosophies sometimes before God himself. Our understandings of doctrines, our understanding of what we think God should be doing. And I just want to caution everybody because it's the same things the Pharisees and Sadducees did. They came up with their interpretation and that superseded God and his word in their teachings and in their beliefs. And then they taught others to follow in that. If one of those things has become your primary concern and loyalty or to any degree decreases your trust and loyalty to God, then it can become an idol. It can be something that sets you apart where your prayers aren't heard, where your faith is totally diminished. Here's the reason why the woman's prayer was not answered immediately. It it was because Jesus wanted to draw her near. He wanted to draw her out. He wanted to keep her praying. See, he didn't put up barriers to keep her away. But when he put up barriers by not responding to her, it was to draw her closer. It was so it would draw more out of her. So she would put more effort into getting his response and ultimately this response for her child. See, 
Some of us would look at those as barriers, but I really believe that Jesus was looking at those as hurdles, as things that had to be overcome, things to show you that you can make it to the other side. And I think so many times we think God is blocking things and we give up. And actually, he's just trying to increase our faith. He wants us to ask for bigger things. He wants us to press in and not be uh, deterred in any way, shape, or form. He knew that she was going to rise to the occasion. And so she says, Lord, help me. And in verse 26, his response is, well, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. What kind of thing is that to say to somebody? You know what? If you went and asked a pastor something today and that's the answer they gave you, you would be so offended. You would be, you would be so offended. But I want you to understand is, in the Greek, there's two words that are used for dogs in Scripture. One refers to the kind of magi, dirty, roaming pack dog that you would see that lives off garbage, that lives in the streets. You know, when we go to Thailand, when you go to, I can't say all of Asia, because it's not true, but when you go to Thailand especially, there's dogs everywhere. And... They have fleas, They're, they'll bite you, they lay out right in the middle of the street, the cars have to go around them, and they just kind of do what they want to do. And uh, <clears throat> that's not the kind of dog that Jesus was talking about here. The other word would be used for a family pet. See, and even just like they do in Thailand, is they have family pets... <clears throat> They have actually dogs they use for food and they have wild mangy dogs that just live out in the streets. And so Jesus was speaking there. The word he used for dog was more of the family pet. And what he's saying is it's not right to take food from the table and give it to your family pet. But if you think about it, people that have dogs do that all the time. They're always giving little scraps. They're always giving stuff. We know that people feed their dogs from the table. There's even whole stores and whole industries built around gourmet food for your family pet. And so it looks like real food like you would eat, but it's just made for your pet. So the family pet is the idea here. But that still doesn't really make it a compliment. So he's saying, well, it's really not right to take the children's food and give it to the family pet. So this woman, she knows what's up. She knows, she knows uh, what he's saying. And she knows that Jesus is going to give her what she needs. 
I, I really believe that even as she was looking at Jesus and he was speaking those words to her, that she could see and feel the love. She could see the love in his eyes. She could feel the love and compassion that he was having for her. And, uh, you know, you got to love her response. In verse 27, she says, Yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. See, she was playing along with what he said. She wasn't trying to confront him in that way. She just wasn't going to give up. And she was responding in kind to what he said. It was almost like she was saying, you know what? I'm rising to the occasion. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play your little game, but I'm not going to back down. I'm going to move forward. I want to see my child healed. Now, I think the disciples totally missed what was going on because here comes this lady. She's crying out for help. And Jesus just ignores her. And they interpret the fact that he ignores her as he is rejecting her. And they're thinking in their minds that he's rejecting her because she's a Canaanite. He's rejecting her because she's an enemy. And so they actually tell her just to go away. Is it not right to take the master's food and give it to the dogs? You know, she was saying, even the dogs are going to eat what falls on the floor. And you just see right after that, Jesus turns to her and he says, all right, woman. In verse 28, he says, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. See, he went from totally blowing her off <laughs> to totally complimenting her. And when it goes back to the original story, here you have Peter, who he says, you of little faith, who's walking on top of the water at that moment, to taking a Canaanite woman and saying, you have great faith. So he went from blowing her off to giving her absolutely everything she asked for. He's saying, all right, I'm going to give you whatever you want. <laughs> Just think about the disciples. Their jaws must have dropped and hit the floor. Here they were. They thought they were listening to Jesus. They were playing out their interpretation of what they thought he was saying. And then he flipped the tables on them. See, Jesus went from ignoring her to giving her absolutely everything she wanted and complimenting her above what he'd just done to his own disciple. What would you do today if God came to you and said, hey, I want to give you whatever you want? I'll write you a blank check. You can ask for whatever you want, just kind of like he did with Solomon. You can have whatever you want. I don't want you to say it out loud, but some would say, Lord, I want great wealth. 
I want to have money. Others would say, I want to be famous. I, I want to be known. I want everybody to know my name. But what would you really, really ask for? When Solomon was given this opportunity, when he was ascending to the throne after his father's death, God came to Solomon and said, I will give you whatever you want, my son. And Solomon said, well, Lord, I need wisdom. I need real wisdom to govern your people. I need real wisdom to be a leader of the people you've put in my charge. And God said, in effect, Solomon, because you did not pray for wealth or lengthy days, I'm going to give you those as well as your wisdom that you requested. See, Solomon asked for the right thing and God gave him the whole thing. Solomon asked for just the wisdom and he says, hey, I'm going to also let you live long and I'm also going to make you wealthy. And as, as we well know, when you read the scripture, Solomon was the wealthiest man that's ever lived when you compute it into today's uh, currency. See, I honestly think that if God came to you today and said, I'll give you whatever you want, the best response would be, Lord, why don't you just decide what's best for me? Why, why do we have ideas of what God should give us? Why aren't we asking God what's best for me? Because you know what? He knit us together in our mother's womb. He knows the end from the beginning, and we're always telling him what we want instead of asking him what he has for us. I mean, that's really the antithesis of, of faith is we know that God has our best interest at heart. And if we let him tell us what he has for us, I guarantee you it's going to meet all of our needs. We think he doesn't know our needs. He knows our needs before we ever even ask. You know what? To be honest, I don't know what I need half the time. I don't even know, truly, when it boils down to it, I don't even know what I want. But I got to tell you, this woman pressed on and would not be discouraged. When the door was shut in her face, she kicked it right off the hinges. When Christ called her a dog, she picked up. She just picked up what he said like a good dog would pick up a master's stick and then she returned and dropped it right at his feet. Just think about that. She loved her child and there was no way she was going to take no for an answer. So what did you learn from this story? See, faith is often found in unlikely places. It is by grace, not the place, that makes people believers. One would have thought that the strongest faith would have come from one of his disciples. 
like Peter, James, or John. But no, the greatest faith came from a pagan woman, an enemy of Israel. The only other time Jesus called out someone, someone's faith as an example was the story of the Roman centurion, who actually was another Gentile. So what's with that? See, the idea that someone in a church, somebody that's actually even been raised in a church, if you've been raised in a Christian home your whole life, if you went to a Christian school and your parents were Christians and they let you and they didn't let you watch whatever you want, they made you watch Veggie Tales, they made you listen to only Christian music. They made you only have Christian friends. You could only do Christian events. And then you know one day you're going to end up being the most rebellious child in the whole world. And sometimes the worst kids around, <laughs> I hate to say it, are preacher's kids. And why is that? Well, when we're raised in a Christian environment... We can take a lot of things for granted. And in the very place where our heart should be transformed, we let it become hardened. And when it comes down to the way you listen, this is why Jesus would often say, let him who has ears hear. That's why John said over and over after being caught up in heaven, God was speaking and he's saying, let him who has ears hear what the spirit of the Lord has to say. You know what? You decide each and every day of how to react to what you hear. I can tell you, not every time, but lots of times, when I hear a bad report, I don't look at it as a bad report. I look at it as an opportunity for God to show himself strong. I'm not going to believe the report. I'm not going to ponder on the report. I'm not going to just sit there and, and wallow in what's been said that's negative. I'm going to move forward into the fullness of what God has for me. I'm going to believe that this is an opportunity. See... I really hope people watching and people here today are not here under duress or because you were pressured to be here because you're being pressured to watch this. I hope you didn't come or watch this service today because your wife wants you to come and you want to keep peace in the house or your husband wants you to come and you want to keep peace in the house. I hope you're not watching this because your parents are telling you you have to. There's some people that are saying, I can't wait for this whole thing just to get over. You know, when is it going to end? <laughs> Maybe some of you are here thinking, well, if I go to this service, if I watch this service, if I'm a part of what's going on, then God is going to give me favor. I got to tell you, that's not the case. If you come with that attitude... 
when God is trying to transform your life, you're going to get a hard heart. You're not going to let God come in and change you because you're coming with the wrong attitude. You're, you're coming with your ears blocked and you just want to hear what you want to hear and you want to walk away and think you're going to be blessed. But that's not the way it works. If you come with that attitude, you've missed the whole point. You know what? This woman, when we read about it, she was completely 100% pagan. But you know what? She got what Jesus was doing. She recognized the difference. And with what little she knew, she rose up to the occasion and she pressed in and she went after what she knew. You know what? No matter what, bring your problems to Jesus. No matter what, lay him at his feet and trust and listen for the answer. That's what we need to learn. No matter what, bring your problems to Jesus. And whatever you're going through, whatever your struggles are, you know what? It's not going to be a shock to him. <laughs> we think sometimes he doesn't know what's going on or we don't want to tell him what's going on. I got to tell you. It doesn't matter where it's happening. He knows. It's not going to come as a shock or a surprise because he already knows about it. I don't want people to get caught up in that. I'm not worthy. You know what? None of us are worthy. It says there's not one righteous, not even one. I hear people say all the time, I'm not worthy to go to God. You know, I got some bad news for you. <laughs> you were never worthy enough to go to God. And you never will be worthy enough to go to God. So, you know what? We need to get over that. It's not about worthiness. It's about the grace of God. Not greasy grace, not overwhelming grace even though his grace is overwhelming doesn't mean you can do whatever you want to do but the fact is it's not about our worthiness it's about his gift of salvation it's not about our worthiness it's about his worthiness do you ever sit down and think you're more worthy when you're reading the bible when you're praying when you're sitting in church do you think at that moment i'm more worthy than i was a minute ago and then you think that the moment you have an impure thought the moment you do something the moment you react in the wrong way that all of a sudden that worthiness just leaves and all of a sudden you're on the outside. You know what? We can't approach God on the basis of worthiness. We got to approach God on the basis of his grace, of his mercy, of the gift of salvation he's given us. 
So whatever your problem is, I encourage you, bring it to Jesus. Lay it down at his feet. There's no burden too big. There's nothing that's going to separate us from his love. See, this woman said in verse 22, have mercy upon me, O Lord. He didn't, she didn't say, have justice upon me, O Lord. Don't even ever pray that way. We, we should never be saying in our prayers, God, deal with me justly. <laughs> you know what? When you're saying things like that, you're saying, all right, God, just send me to hell. That's where I belong. That's what I deserve. That's where I need to go. You know what? That's not what you deserve. That's not where you belong. And that's not where you need to go. We need to be crying out like this woman. God have mercy on me. Jesus says in John 637. Whoever comes to me. I will never drive away. See, Jesus says, whoever comes to him, he's never going to push them away. He's never going to drive them away. He's never going to walk away from them. Number three is when you pray, seek to find the will of God and pray with persistence. And I'm not talking about praying in repetition. I'm talking about praying with persistence, just like this woman. She didn't say the same thing over and over. She didn't say, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. She just pressed in for what she knew that only God could do. See, the reason Jesus gave this woman everything she asked for is because her will became alignment, perfect alignment with his will. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. If you don't know how to pray, you just need to find the will of God. And there's people sitting here in this room, there's people watching online that are saying, how do I do that? How do I find the will of God? That's easy for you to say. But you find the will of God by reading the word of God. And when you're reading the word of God, don't read it like a rule book. Don't read it like a story. You need to read it and you need to understand the heart behind God. See the heart of what God has for you in there. See God's mind. See God's purpose. See what the scripture is really trying to show you. See, my objective when I read the word is not to get God to do what I want him to do. It's not to read and find that scripture that I can fit in my situation that gives me the answer or the outcome that I desire. My purpose is to read and see what his will is, both in the church, to my family, for what's going on in the world right now. It's not to compare it and try and figure out where we are in the end times. It is to see what is your will for today? What is your will right now? What is your will for me? 
We need to find the heart, the mind, and the purpose of God. And we find that in his word. And if we read his word with an open mind and hear what he has to say and not filter it through what everybody else says, we're going to find that. See, my job is not to get my will into heaven. It's to bring God's will here to earth. <laughs> we need to stop saying, God, I want this, I need this. We need to be saying, God, I want your will to be done in me and in the earth and in my church and in my family and in my job and in my country and in my city. So what is the will of God? You know what? We need to find it. We need to pray accordingly. We, we can't give up. We need to be like this woman and press in. And no matter what comes against us, use that as a launching pad to take the next step. You know what? It might seem like God's really not listening to us. But I guarantee you, the things most of us think are barriers are truly hurdles. They're truly something we have to overcome to step up to a greater place. Sometimes he wants us to rise up and we back down. Don't back down. There's maybe people watching that need to come to Jesus. On Sunday, I, I mentioned about demon possession. See, the girl in this whole story was severely demon possessed. And what does that really mean? Well, it meant that she was under the control of Satan. She was under the control of one of his minions. You know, every one of us need Jesus. Every single person in the world needs Jesus. He died on the cross for our sins. We just celebrated Easter. We know that he shed his blood so that we could have access to him. So that we could have a relationship with him. So that we could know him and we could understand that he already knows us. So that we could have access to him. So we could have a relationship with him. So that we could know him. So that we could have absolute assurance that when we die, we're going to go to heaven. That's part of the purpose of God. Do you have that assurance right now? Do you know that you know that you know if you were to die right now, you'd go to heaven? You know, I just want to take a moment and give people the opportunity to come to Jesus. You know what? If you don't come to Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, then you're never going to experience any of this. It's not about becoming a member of a church. It's not about saying a specific prayer. It's not about any of those things. It's about 
just realizing that you're a sinner and realizing that Jesus died for you. No matter what your status in life is, no matter what you've done, no matter how you've lived, no matter how long you've done certain things, See, this mother brought her daughter to Jesus. I mean, there's so many people that have been brought to different places today. And they've never made that personal commitment. I can tell you, my aunt and my uncle invited me to church. They prayed for me for five or six years. They sent me books. They sent me tapes. They sent me music. They sent me Bibles. The crazy thing was, every time they knew the day I was going to get saved. Every time they planned out the steps. Every time this speaker's going to be there or this event's going to be going on. And the crazy part about it was, the day I actually really showed up to church, they had already gave up on me showing up. And so they weren't even in the room. And that's the day I got saved. Is the day they gave up. Is the day they released it for God to be able to touch me. If you've never made that personal commitment to him. I want to let you know that Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. He says, if you're going to hear my voice. Then I'm going to open the door and let you come in. You know what? Whatever your problem, whatever your struggle, whatever you're going through right now. Jesus is going to carry you through it. Jesus is going to solve that problem. Jesus is going to see you released from that addiction, from that struggle. Whatever your burden is, I guarantee you, he can instantly remove it. Whatever your pain, whatever your sickness, whatever your disease, he's already paid the price to heal it. All you got to do is come to him. Some of you have to come to him again. <laughs> Jesus said, he or she that would come to me, I would no way cast or turn them out. You know what? If you've never come to Jesus, you can do it right now. If you've been struggling, if you haven't been doing things right, you, you can do it right now. You don't have to stay where you're at. I got to tell you, it is so easy. You just got to ask Christ to come into your heart. You just have to lay things down. And you know what? We don't have to tell him everything we've ever done because he already knows everything we've ever done. And he already knows everything we're ever going to do. And so it's a no-lose situation. And so wherever you're at right now, whether you're watching this tonight live, whether you're watching this on another day, whether you're sitting in this room, 
I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you in a very personal and real way. I say, Lord, I want you to help each and every struggling person here. Lord, I, I want you to show your power and heal people from sickness, from disease, from emotional struggles, from spiritual struggles. Just like this little girl's daughter, I want to see people released from possession and from oppression of the enemy. I want to see people released from the cages they have in their own mind that are holding them back from walking in the fullness of who you called them to be. Lord, I just ask right now that you would just reveal yourself to others, to each and every person right now listening, that you would just reveal yourself to them. Lord, even those right now are saying, I don't want any part of this, Lord. I ask right now, Lord, you would just pour out your love upon them that they would actually physically feel your love, your power, and your presence right now. And Lord, I just break off every chain in the name of Jesus that's holding people back. Lord, help them come to know you and help them receive your forgiveness. Right now in Jesus' name. You know what, if, if God has touched you tonight, if God has touched you between Sunday and, and today, I just ask that you just contact us through our webpage at ctfboulder.com or on Facebook or on Instagram. I just ask that you just contact us and just let us know. You know what? We want to stand with you. We want to walk with you. Our goal here is to make disciples. Our goal is to spread the love of Christ. And we just want to see you flourish in all God has for you. So thanks for joining us tonight and uh, have a wonderful day.